Hey everyone, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and I just wanted to give a big shout-out and thank you to all of you, our loyal listeners and viewers. We've been doing this for almost three years now, and that's mostly because of your support and your encouragement, which we really do appreciate. If you would like to help the show but don't have the funds available to donate directly, remember that if you plan on doing any online shopping at Amazon.com, if you first click through the Amazon banner on our website at NoGutsNoGalaxy.net, it'll give us a little kickback without adding anything to your bill. It's a great way to support the show and allow us to continue creating a wide variety of free Battletech and MechWarrior content for your pleasure. Are you buying something specific and want to share your story? Send me an email at bombadil at nogutstonegalaxy.net and maybe your email will be read live in the next podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and enjoy the show. The Inner Sphere Chronicles with your host, Walter Tucker. Join me now as I examine the events and decisions, both past and present, that have shaped the course of human history across the Inner Sphere. When then Prince Victor Steiner Davion led Task Force Serpent into the deep periphery on their mission to take the fight to the clan homeworlds and bring about a final end to the clan invasion, they encountered a strange message that had been traveling toward the Inner Sphere for hundreds of years and still has hundreds more to go before it reaches us. It was a radio message sent by General Alexander Kerensky over 200 years ago. In what is now known as the Voice of Kerensky, the famous Star League general attempts to explain why he and the majority of the legendary Star League Defense Force left the Inner Sphere and why they might one day return to it. Return they did, and I wonder if Kerensky would have been pleased with the result. The descendants of the SLDF, now called the Clans, are back, and the Inner Sphere is far from being a more peaceful place. He may have left us with good intentions, with the goal of protecting the Inner Sphere from the Star League's machines of war, but the destruction and havoc of the clans is nothing short of the very thing General Kerensky says he sought to prevent. The only question we can have after hearing the voice of Kerensky is, what went wrong? I'm Walt Tucker, and this has been an Inner Sphere Chronicle. The Inner Sphere Chronicles is written by David Martin, with additional material by George Ledoux. Produced and performed by George Ledoux and Voices in My Head Productions. Any similarity to persons living or dead is a product of your imagination. Prepare yourself for more face-melting, metal-stopping music. Armor will be pierced. Fluid will be spilled. Machines will fall. Warriors will rise. Animatronic brings you a soundtrack for armored combat. Available now from NoGutsNoGalaxy.net. Join the invasion. No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. You're listening to the Game Casting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast 116. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is July 16th, 2014, and I'm joined by today's co-host, Brennan. Oh, hi, guys. And uh, I think we may be joined by Tyler later. He, he may or may not be here because of scorpions. I don't I don't know. Don't ask. He's in Arizona. Don't ever move there. You don't want to move there. But uh, also today's uh, guest, we've got uh, James. You guys know him as Raffle Waffle 49 What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing really good, man. Good to be here. I was going to say, for those that don't know, he is the host 
of the War Room podcast, where they talk everything. Well, actually, you know what? What do you guys talk about? Uh, so we talk about basically how all of the changes that we get in patches and stuff like that affect uh, the competitive teams and competitive players and stuff like that. Uh, we branch out a little bit from time to time, but that's kind of the core of what the show is about. And just for confirmation, he has been on the show before. They're uh, Queen Blade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's my second time. I've been here. Yeah, see? Where have you been, Queen? Yeah. All right, uh, so speaking of which, we got a link in the chat uh, for you guys as well, if you haven't checked out the Warren podcast. So anyways, maybe you just want to, you know, get to uh, hear some of the, the top players out there talk about the game uh, from the competitive side, the, uh, you know, playing to win as well. They talk about the different leagues, uh, um, player leagues, community leagues that are out there. So make sure to check it out. I usually try to listen to it live. I think it's more entertaining that way. Plus, you can interact uh, with the chat, too. So you can always uh, make fun of uh, Versanix or, you know, Siri or something like that. All right. So we've got a few uh, topics. And I just want to say, uh, again, James, thanks for coming. I want your input, your honesty. And, of course, above all, uh, you know, I just want to get your perspective on these topics. And we're going to go dive into the first one. Now, this just went in yesterday. So it may be a little bit convoluted just for the fact that we haven't used it a whole lot just because it hasn't even been like 48 hours but let's go talk about it jump jet update um i want to get your guys first impressions so uh you know james first impressions on the jump jet update go uh so okay so jump jets is something that i we i mean myself and other competitive players have been talking about for a very long time as like kind of a problem not really like jump jets there's just never been a like a downside to taking them and i've actually only been playing today because i was out of town but so far, I really like the patch. I think you really have to commit a lot of tonnage to jump jets to use them for a jump sniper now. And having just a single jump jet still allows you to climb hills easier and feather fall easier. So the single jump jet is still useful on something like a brawler. But to get the mobility that you needed before, you have to really commit tonnage to it, which is tonnage is important. So I like it. Brennan? Uh, right off, uh, jump jet update. I actually really enjoy the idea and concept i think some tuning might need uh in, in place especially for like i feel like the mediums kind of got a little bit short shafted on the uh jump jet update but overall i think it's a step in the right direction okay and we also have uh piranha games uh community manager here nico snow as you guys know him. nico what are your thoughts on it have you been able to play with them i've done a little bit with them and to be honest i'm actually really happy with the direction we're taking i kind of uh feel it's a lot easier this way or not easier but more balanced well you know my first impressions are i like it one uh, the jump jets a system has been sort of uh, how, how do we say this it's been overlooked for the longest time and unfortunately uh this caused a lot of issues with uh balance i mean you've got mechs that had jump jets that were extremely powerful just with one jump jet i mean we're talking about the thrust value of today and uh monday's differences you're talking about two sometimes three or four jump jet difference now just to get to where you were on uh you know prior to uh tuesday so overall i think this is a great thing now i do agree with brandon i think there's some tweaks to happen i think uh you know um jaeger and a few of the, the guys were doing science and they figured out some weird things like for instance uh the dragon slayer the victor was actually getting more thrust uh, with Eagle Jump Jets and then the Timberwolf. And I think there was a few other edge cases like that. But from across the board, I think this is awesome. Now, the question is going to lie. And, uh, you know, James, I'm sure you guys are probably going to be discussing this. And from the competitive scene, you guys are going to have to try to figure out what direction a few things are going. But long term, what does this affect? And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you see this Jump Jet change really changing in the game? I think that one of the things that you're going to see happen is that uh, in public games especially, you don't have the ability to like customize your mech for what map you're going to be playing on. A lot of the leagues that we are playing in now, you get to see what map you're going to be playing in ahead of time and customize your drop deck. But for public games, you can't. So that means that like, one of the reasons that jump sniping was just so popular is that it was very effective on like, any map. Like, there are only a few maps you wouldn't want to take a jump sniper on. And so that I, I think that with this change, you might still see a lot of people uh, going for that, like still still using jump snipers. They're just going to be committing more tonnage to it now. Um, but it also... 
Uh, personally, I'm hoping that people get frustrated trying to make the change and then uh, switch to like brawlers for a while just so that it we get like a different feel to the game for a while but people could just try and play with the change as is or they could change their builds around and i i don't know yet because we haven't had long enough to see well the one thing i noticed right off the bat is in it seems like solo drop in the solo queue you can actually still do you know as far as you can still pop tart now granted you could probably still do it and be effective with one, maybe two jump jets. And some of the mechs were actually quite okay with two in the heavies uh, category, especially. But I think what's going to happen is when you go up to group play, because of how, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say competitive group play is, but the skill level and coordination definitely changes from solo to group. I think we can all agree with that. And you see the lack of coordination in the solo queue. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little uh, down the line. But I feel like. In solo, you're going to be able to still do the pop tarting. You're still going to be able to um, get away with that per se. In group queue, I feel like that may shift because you have to. I mean, you're talking maybe on a dragon slayer, what four? You know, or, or three, four tons. That's going to change your loadouts. Um, on some of the heavies, you're having to add two or three tons more as well. That's going to change your change your loadout. If you're wanting to be effective pop tart, uh, you know, uh, metal wolf, you can't do that anymore. Or if you're going to do it, you're going to have to change something. I mean, you're already, you can't strip off more armor, right? Um, so are you going to drop down to just a Goss in one ER and then supplemental weapons and lose that second ER? In any case, the good thing with that is, is it reduces the, you know, volume. Anyways, I, I think long term, this has potentially uh, this change, this one change plus fall damage, you know, behind the scenes. But this one change has the potential to change the meta across the board in this game as far as potential weapon systems being used and also the mechs and how their loadouts are being used. But the question is, um, is it worth taking one jump jet, uh, two or three or four, or is it you take one or you take five or go home? I think it's pretty much going to come down to you take one or five. Uh, anything in between, especially with some of the heavier mechs, anything in between just really isn't worth it right now. It's almost like with the... Um... The targeting computer for clans you it's either you take the the small one or the big one because anything in between you're just wasting tonnage so i took out my the like one of the, the second or third mech i took out was my timberwolf and i honestly didn't notice the change as much in the timberwolf as i did in like the victory of the cataphract i really noticed it in the victory and the cataphract your mech just kind of glide when you jump jet you don't like rise and maybe it was just that by that point i was getting used to the change but it didn't feel as bad in the timberwolf but i do think that you're right there will be sort of that uh people will probably tend to go for one extreme or the other although i think to be honest i think about two is the right amount of jump jets on victors or uh like other the, the Timberwolf, I think, 2 is good, and then I played around with it, and to, for anything heavier, heavier, you need 3 or 4. So there are some mechs that won't apply to that rule. And it's just going to take more time to optimize mechs. I mean, we didn't get like instantly optimized mechs for a long time right away, and it's just now well, I mean, that we have people that are so used to it that they're just crunching through like builds as fast mean, as they can in a day. How long did it take until the 733C popped up with its meta build? I mean... And even then, the the victor as well for it to pop up with its meta build, like it took a decent while. Well, look how quickly it fell off the pedestal, though. As soon as that uh, you know nerve hit the Highlanders, the first jump jet change that dramatically affected the Highlanders, boom! It was right into Dragon Slayers, and they were king. Uh, you know, I think with this is it has it has the potential to change a lot of things. But here's the thing: is obviously uh, things are going to shift, uh, and they always shift, no matter you know what happens. Especially James, what you guys talk about all the time, you know, min maxing and 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 you know playing to win, um, you have to adapt and overcome. I think with uh, with this is is if you have to take more tonnage, it changes your builds. Um, jump jets, how I see them, are now really. I mean, Paul was sort of right in his vlog, at least how I'm seeing them, how they played, except for lights. Lights are actually getting, like, a height <laughs> increase when they jump. Like, uh, I think the spider can go, like, 100 uh, yeah, meters more. Really 
Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, you know, sort of cool. Obviously, this is the first iteration. I want to see a little bit of tweaks come in about this. Maybe there are some specific mechs that, you know, are getting targeted that have a little bit harder, or maybe it's across the board, just a neutral, whatever the, the calculation or algorithm or whatever it is. And I, we've had a few people out in the community try to do that. Um, I guess this sort of rolls into our next question. Um, you know, is pop charting dead and is it still viable? And I'll go ahead and go first. I don't think it's dead and I still think it's a viable in the right circumstances, possibly on the right map, right? I mean, if you know you have wide open spaces, Alpine, maybe even Termaline, depending, right? Maybe we have a different map or whatever. I still think you can get away with it, depending on the mechs, right? They may shift from one chassis to the other because it's a little bit more effective. You know, um, for instance, Timberwolf. If they drop, you know, a little bit of tonnage and, you know, drop an ER, they can fit more jump jets, blah, 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 stuff like that. So I don't think it's, it's going to be away but now what i see is because those tonnages have to be dropped other choices being able to close the distance you're not taking as much volley damage if the other team is doing it i still think it's viable i still think it's going to happen but i think the potential use of them is gonna you know sort of i want to say go away i i have i've seen less in the group queue and i've seen less especially in the solo queue but um I think that's something that's important is uh, it's it's been all about time for really for a really long time. It's been how long does it take to do like to to jump snipe versus get a good brawling engagement versus use LRMs, and uh, we've mentioned like the the triangle idea of jump snipers counter uh, LRM boat or yeah jump sniper counter LRM boats brawlers counter, counter jump snipers and LRMs counter brawlers. That's kind of like in my mind. That's the perfect triangle of balance for types of builds. And then, of course, you have like wonky builds that don't fit into any of those categories. But with this uh, jump jet nerf, I think that something that you get out of it is that it takes way longer to get up in the air and jump jet, which means you're not getting as high of a DPS as you were getting before, just purely based on the amount of thrust you have. If you are going for that minimum, like one or two jump jets, so I think that is a, a really helpful outcome of this change. I'm definitely going to step in here and say that, yeah, it, saying it's going to completely remove Pop-Tarting and anything like that, I think it's uh, silly, a bit silly, because, I mean, Pop-Tarting is always going to be there. I mean, it's what, will it, like, kind of shut down its wide appeal? Um, most likely, but I, I think it's still, it's not going to, like, remove it completely. It's still going to be present. But it's not the one-all be-all option. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, and that's it's going to curb the uh, wide appeal of pop targeting in general because it's going to make it harder to do. But those people that can still do it, they'll be doing it well. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And you know, it's one of those things. It's definitely a viable tactic. I mean, um, you know, as some people hate pop tarts, it is definitely a tactic to be used. And you know, we see it, but I don't think we'll see it as much because there's some other options, and that include SRMs are now viable. You know. Uh, getting snuck up by a griffin with uh, you know four SRM you know fours or sixes and or a storm crow or something yeah that opens your uh, eyes really quick so altogether um, maneuvering are you are you guys okay with this change I guess that's a question are do do you like the change of the jump jets like is this something that you're like yeah I can see where it's going and is it good for the game and game balance yes <laughs> yes <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with yes. I think anything to encourage a little bit more brawling rather than long-distance jump snipe fests um, is always welcomed, at least in my opinion. I mean, I remember a lot of people are always saying, oh, I remember back in, you know, closed beta, back in the day when brawling used to be hit. Now, granted, I have a lot of, I guess, different outlooks of uh, closed beta when we didn't have hit detection and, you know, you asked... SRM, uh, streak SRM 40s and, you know, Raven 3Ls that, you know, but I will agree that before the jump jet um, change that came into effect and allowed pop targeting to really start happening, it was a brawl based game. You really didn't have as much long range weapon. Now, granted, you had less chassis available, right? You had uh, some of the newer weapons weren't in back then. You definitely didn't have the clans, so that definitely changed things, but, uh, yeah, so I like the change. I think this is great across the board. And the one thing is, it jump jets are. I still think will be. I still think one jump jet. If you could take a, a one jump jet capable mech compared to the same exact uh, hard point system, but no jump jets, I still think it's uh, good to use. One thing uh, before we move on, the heat 
Um, it's very... Haven't noticed it. Yeah, it's, a, it's very negligible, but it's enough to where if you're firing and, and riding that you know red line and maybe your heat dissipation isn't that high, you will notice it. Um, I, I, I like it. I don't think it's too overbearing. Um, I wouldn't have a problem, actually, if it was a little bit higher, but also I agree with uh, you know what Paul said on the vlog, which was they don't want to punish two players, and we all know this game has such a steep learning curve. Now all of a sudden you throw them with a jump capable mech, and they, they don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe you just have to learn the hard way. I don't know. Maybe that is a good thing to have. So heat isn't really an issue, but it should be in there in the back of your mind. Make sure to test them out in the uh, training grounds or in a live fire situation. See how much heat, what it does to your builds before uh, you know you go to activate them. And then you're like, oh, shit, I, d- I didn't know that was uh, an issue. All right, so we're going to move on to the next discussion topic, and this is actually something uh, we've talked about many times, but I want to hit on this specifically because we have a lot of discussion around it, which is volley damage. Uh, We were talking about this with Russ last week, which was the whole, the dire well, right? And for those that don't know, the dire well is uh, two ERPPCs, two Gauss rifles, and if you've never faced a dire well, you're lucky because it hurts. It hurts so bad, and it's... Terror. I mean, you, you come around a corner, you see a direwolf. You're you really wish it doesn't. It's not a direwolf. You hope it's not set up that way it is because if it is, you're about to have a cord CT or your left horse is blown off, or if you're light mech, you might die in the first shot. So, yeah, is it a problem? I guess I want to open up with that. Is the direwolf a problem? Uh, the direwolf that particular loadout. Is it a problem? Um, you know, James, you were talking about this a little bit before we started this. You had a different out- outlook on it, and I wanted other people to hear it. Uh, so, the thing that I think about the the dire whale, as people have been calling it, um, is that it's so so slow that you lose a lot of its like that firepower becomes a lot less scary if you're in a quick mech. So. Sure, I mean it, it can kill you if you're be if you're not being careful, and I, maybe this is just me looking at it from a competitive standpoint, but it's gonna be left behind in like a larger group situation because faster is almost exclusively better in MechWarrior, or at least it has been so far. Um, I've joked about the fact that you could like toy with some builds that would be based solely solely around using direwolves. That is basically just a bunch of really heavy slow mechs that stand around with big guns and don't let anybody near them. But at the way it is right now, if you're worried about direwolves and you're in a public game, you just check for the back of the formation. You find where the enemy team is, and then you find where the back of their team is, and then you find two direwolves, and then you have your lights and mediums go kill them because they're not by their team and they can't deal with that threat. They cannot deal with being on open ground surrounded by more than one mech. So that's where I think the balance of that alpha comes in is that they're just too slow. <laughs> but what happens in the sense of group play? That dynamic changes, though. And I feel like, yes, from the competitive standpoint, you guys may not take them just because of that. But in group queue right now, uh, an organized team, even a four-man team, uh, you're able to stick with your direwolves, provide a cover while it's moving. In that case... Uh, or the case of even solo. I mean, I'm seeing solo scores of people taking these. That is just devastating. I mean, t- I'm not, not only did they haven't done 1300 damage in my direwolf. I'm not like I'm not saying that they aren't capable of like massive damage games, but they are also capable of being caught out, getting an alpha off, and dying. Because I mean, you've got two gauze rifles, so that means that best case scenario you happen to have those charging up if somebody like jumps around a corner and gets a good shot on you or maybe you just get a hit on them with your PPCs which is still 30 damage but what it comes down to is that you are just less mobile than everybody else and so with that slow torso twist if you're up against a good pilot one on one it should like they should be able to get behind you and take you out um, because direwolves can't climb hills they can't torso twist like there's a, there's just a lot they don't do so in a in a perfect scenario, if they're used right, they are a godsend to your team, and you want them there. In a worst case scenario, you weren't paying attention, or your team left you, and you now just ba- basically became cannon fodder. So I mean, it's very situational. 
Uh, albeit, I know a lot of people, including myself, I've been wrecked by a few of them because of, you know, a uh, bad case scenario on my, my end. But uh, so, Brandon, I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, is the dire, I mean, is that, you know, I mean, this is the very first mech that's been able to carry that loadout. Is that a problem or do you see it as a problem? I don't necessarily see this as a problem. Then again, I don't have much experience facing a direwolf in a competitive setting yet. Um, so I'm not too sure there. But I know in like for a pug queue or anything like that, or even solo dropping, like if I see a direwolf, I'm going to go another way so it doesn't see me. Or basically trying to get behind it or on its side because it's so slow at turning. It's so slow that it usually falls behind the group pack. And I mean, if you're solo pugging, no one's going to keep up with it or keep it safe. So they're usually pretty easy to pick off. Um, but I mean, in the group queue, even so, it, it doesn't, unless you're facing about three of them that are working in the same group, so they're all sticking together, that's when I'm seeing a problem. Um, but as far as being like solo or on its own, not so much. As such, I, I, I'm kind of torn on the Dire Wolf uh, because of that. On one hand, it does carry this big, huge loadout, but you need support in order to use it properly. So it's not something, it, it's still, eh, it's hard to say. Okay, so the question is, uh, maybe that the dire well isn't a problem per se, but uh, what is an acceptable level of volley damage? Because, I mean, that, you know, that's one thing we've always talked about, and we're, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, the clan and the IS and the synergy between some weapons, but the time to kill getting hit with, you know, some of these weapon systems, uh, you know, before the clan invasion, um, it was the, you know, Dragon Slayer or the Cataphract, right? I mean, and that's, that's a 30... Uh, alpha, you know, uh, volley damage to one location. Is the direwolf at 50 plus 10? Is that too high? And if it's too high, what would you do or what could be done to change that? Personally, I'd say, yeah, something that high of a DPS or at least a firepower and everything like that, I, in my opinion, is definitely too high. That being said, I have no idea how you would curb that without intentionally just messing with the direwolf alone or with the mechanics on how to build a mech in general yeah it's so it's so it's either because... you let people have full freedom of building a mech as they want and as such really high alpha and stuff like that is going to be prominent because that's what everyone's going to build towards um or you're going to just step down and put huge limits on everything or on a specific mech until it's basically obsolete and no one will use it well, uh, someone in chat mentioned the AC-40. Well, one thing that's very situational, what we're talking about with, uh, you know, what the volley damage of 50 is, it's 50 from zero all the way out to what? I mean, 12, 1300 with the Goss to, uh, you know, 16, 1800 meters with the, you know, ER peeps. Uh, so it's not like, oh, well, within 270 meters, it does 40 damage and that's it. This thing we're talking about has a you know, a thousand plus range meters where it's delivering 50, you know, so I guess that's the question. I mean, James, are you on the wall? You don't, I mean, is so, that too high? Yeah, and that's the thing is like, I don't know. I feel like if you limit pinpoint damage in any way, so I'll backtrack a little bit. There's always going to be like a most optimal build that people are going to use. And like, there's just no way around that. It occurs in like every game, no matter what happens. But um, I don't know how you adequately limit like pinpoint alpha damage without hindering games like different forms of gameplay. <sighs> it's really tough though because on one hand you want to limit alpha damage, but if you create a rule like only so many PPCs and gauze rifles can be fired together, like maybe only one or two, then you remove any chance that the IS had at sniping while hindering only like one or two mechs in the clan to the side so it, it's very difficult I, I i honestly don't know what the most effective strategy would be okay so in a, in a yes or no do you think the current time to kill slash the volley potential of the direwolf and some of the you know the timberwolf is it too high yes or no Bren? direwolf yes timberwolf it's treading a line, but I'm not going to say it's crossed it yet. Direwolf, definitely, if you outfit it correctly and everything like that, it, it does cross a line where it's basically just one-shotting shit. And that's not fun for anyone other than the Direwolf player. What up, James? Yes, no? Um, yeah. 
Yes, I guess the direwolf is slightly too powerful, but I, as a whole, I don't think time to kill in the game is too fast. I think it's about where it should be. Okay, I've now actually, that I've actually seen people complain lately that it's too long. The reason I bring this up is uh, I, I want to continue on the subject, but to sort of point out a few things, which is on last week's podcast, Russ even said, you know, they were looking at it and they weren't quite happy with some of the balance issues of the clans. Uh, they said, you know, they they liked where they started and there's a few things. Now, obviously, we mentioned the Direwell last week and he said, you know, they're definitely paying attention to it. Um, I want to point out a few things that uh, I think, you know, James, you were saying is the clans right now, for synergy, you have the ERPPC and the Goss combo, right? But on the IS side, you have the PPC and the ER counterpart, ACs, AC5s, and Goss combos. All those weapons have synergy. And so what you're basically saying is uh, you don't want to cut the knees off on IS side if you were to change uh, anything. As far as you don't want to do the whole PPC and Goss, you know, sort of wonky thing, uh, you know, sort of what Russ was saying. They weren't, he wasn't really happy with that, you know, and so they weren't going to, you know, weren't planning on it. What do I just want to point out too is what is the combination there? Is it okay, for instance, you have the Goss charge mechanic for the clans and the PPCs, there is no mechanic. Would it be crazy to, to break that up, the, the synergy between the two? I mean, if that's ultimately the issue, couldn't you have two different systems for both counterparts? Clan and IS are different as far as how, you know, maybe a, 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 the ERPPC works uh, and the GOSS works to break up that synergy. And then on the IS side, whatever you want to break up, you could do the same thing. I mean, we saw the exact same thing go with UACs for the clans. UACs right now are great. I love them. I love the sound of them, the effect. It minimizes, you know, pinpoint damage unless you're standing still, which then you deserve whatever happens to you. Um, would it be crazy to to change up the PPCs or the Goss or have both different? I mean, would that be blasphemy saying, well, PPC, PPCs right now are basically a ballistic weapon. That, that That's what they are. So if you were to, you know, Look at that. I think they're even. I think they're even coded as a ballistic weapon. Cause yeah, I think there. If you look in the uh, if you look in the uh, XML files and stuff like that, there's a ammo for them, quote unquote ammo. One thing I thought of was giving the PPC like something very very small, like a 0.5 second duration. And so the way like, the way the clan PPC works right now is you have your 15 damage spread out between one torso. And the two, so 10 damage on that one torso and point or 2.5 on each side. So if you gave the PPC like a, like a 0.5 second duration, where it then takes like the average of that uh, like duration time. So if you put it over two torsos, it does you know uh, 7.5 to each torso. Whereas if you can keep it on one, it does the current effect, which is 10 and 2.5 to the one on either side. So that means that to use it. In uh, to use it in combination with the gauze rifle, you'd have to stay on target a little bit more, a little bit longer, which then means that you're not going to be able to torso quick, torso twist as quickly, and then it just it slows down that weapon combination a little bit. But again, I have no idea if that would work. You know, when and again, we've talked about this quite a bit. I just see this uh, this correlation, right? If you were to put the IS energy and the, the clan synergy, the one thing you see that is highlight on both is PPCs. Um, it's PPCs with ACs and Goss, and it's PPCs with Goss for the clans. So, you know, is that um, something that can be looked at? Now, granted, if you, you can do one and not the other, you can, you can change how the ER peeps for the clans work, and you don't have to change the IS. I mean, and you see the difference between the IS, right, the, with the ACs. Um, and a lot of people still are doing just fine with, uh, you know, two AC5s or an AC5 and a peep or whatever other combo, but the AC5 delivering all that damage. But anyways, I guess I just, just wanted to shed light on that is, uh, you know, um, is it a problem? And as you pointed out, James, it may not be a problem per se, but it just may, the, you know, the dire well just may shine in certain circumstances, but it can be defeated, uh, you know. Just like, uh, you know, an A1 getting its ear shot off sort of thing. But uh... And I, I would like to add that I don't really know how these mechs play in competitive play because no uh, no league right now allows them as, like, base under base rules. Arhad lets you play with them if you agree with your opponent. So if you come together before the match and say, you know, 
do you want to use clan mechs for this match? You can both say yes, and then you can do that. But uh, they're not allowed under the base rules of any league right now, so we don't know the balance yet. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the uh, competitive scene right now until they're out for C bills because right now it's seen as a little bit of an unfair advantage. So they're kind of, unless you gentlemen's agreement, it's kind of like Raffles said, not played as much. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Um, the first thing I want to, you know, look at here is solo queue. Now, uh, when I was on my honeymoon, came back, and I was under the impression it was two to four main groups plus, you know, pugs. But uh, then that was confirmed behind the scenes, and we were able to tell you guys. Uh, and I was, well, one, I was actually quite surprised because I had, I had already done some drops, at, you know, in the solo queue, which I didn't realize. Um, and then I found out. I found the experience totally different, and I liked it. Now, what are your guys' thoughts and impressions on the solo queue? You like it? You hate it? You loathe it? You, you want more of it? You're what, Brennan? Personally, I love solo queue. I'll queue up solo as much as possible, mainly because as much as some people argue about it, I find that's probably the closest and most fun experience I've had so far, because I find, at least in my opinion, uh, games are really close. I mean... There are sometimes there's stomps, sometimes there's that one guy that goes beast mode and just destroys everything. But in general, I've just been having a blast dropping by myself and knowing that other people are dropping by themselves as well, so I don't have to worry about groups and that sort of thing. What about you, James? Uh, solo queue's been pretty fun. Uh, it's a little bit more relaxed than it used to be. Uh, like, I, I don't have to put on my try incredibly hard pants every single time I want to play a game now, which is really nice. Because it, it could get really frustrating before if it was like every single drop I'm running into a couple four men's on the other team and it's just like oh man I really gotta I've gotta try really hard and so it's nice to be able to relax. Um, yeah, I like the solo queue. I've had a pretty good experience with it. Um, one thing I've been talking to a lot of players about it and uh, the one thing maybe you guys found about this is. If you're a skilled player, I mean, obviously you may not know your ELO bracket, but you you know if you 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 know you've been playing around, you know for a little bit, um, you actually have to carry, like it's it's completely different atmosphere. Like when you hop in there, I've seen a lot of frustration with like, oh, why weren't they listening and getting upset at other players and stuff like that. And I think that's really unfair because what basically is happening is ELO matchmaker is saying, hey. You know, you've got the score attached to your account because maybe you do drop with friends and you guys are really good together. And all of a sudden you're dropping solo, you're going to have to carry. And, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Tyler about this, Jaeger 12, and he was even doing He was doing solo drops all last night, too. And, you know, his win loss wasn't absurd um, on it. He had a lot of kills and he was doing a lot of damage. And he, you know, um, but as far as win loss record, um, you know, he was close to the, you know, 50, 50, 60, 40, you know, bracket. Um, and one thing I just want to point out, too, is in the solo queue, what is basically happening is the matchmaker is trying to make as close to a 50-50 that Team 1 and Team 2 have the possibility of winning. So you may have relatively, you know, uh, high-skilled players, or you may have, you know, uh, medium to low-skilled players, but you, as an individual have to you know help and that's why i think sometimes uh james as you pointed out you'll have uh you know rambo go down the middle get killed off the bat now you're 11 11 12 boom all of a sudden you have a dc and now you're 10 you know 12 or maybe uh lance didn't want to listen to you and not push in and terra thermo next thing you know you got you know it's eight four and you're like well great you know so there are instances that sometimes are out of your hands and control but I have noticed me personally, I've been able to influence the outcomes of a lot of battles and sometimes turn in the tide to where our team's not doing so well, but I'm like, okay, I'll put on, you know, the pants, if you will, the carrying pants. And next thing you know, we won the match and it was a great game and I got a high score and a lot of kills. JZS, do we have an ETA on the tra tra trailer module so we can carry more? <laughs> I've seen a lot of videos of people doing that. The uh, the thing I always do is if like my lance dies, like if I play with my friends, and my lance just like gets totally wrecked, and then I end up being able to win the game. I'm just like, oh guys, my back really hurts. And they're like, oh wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I had to carry you guys that whole game. I yeah, I like the the solo queue a lot now. The games I've played have felt a lot closer. Plus, so DCs I, can reconnect now. I know, right? And uh, one thing I do want to point out is 
Uh, I think this is actually a good thing across the board for the game, and a lot of people may not like solo queue, but here, here my argument here is for the for the single player experience, right? And I think Brian yesterday uh, while we were streaming, he hopped on Teamspeak and he said fifty percent of the player base is playing solo right now, while fifty percent is playing groups, which is awesome, but. If you come home, you've been busting your ass at work all day, you only have like an hour to hop on, and you're just a casual player and you hop on, in my opinion, and and something I struggled with personally as a solo dropper, is I hated dropping against multiple pre-made groups. It was so frustrating to drop uh, against, you know, a 5-man 228 or aces or an SGR group or multiple pre-mades. It was so freaking frustrating dropping as a solo player because sometimes there was nothing I could do as soon as we dropped that match was already determined and I and and for me as a as a player uh, that that just wasn't acceptable you know like I'm like oh well you know now at least I know hey if I group up I'm you know playing in the big leagues you know so just that's how I sort of look at it so for the from the solo player and possibly even the new player experience I think solo queue is phenomenal, um, and I think they they hit that nail on the head just across the board. Now on to group queue um, thoughts and impressions. Uh, now we just had a change, uh, James. You said you haven't been able to play in group queue yet, but Tuesday. Now, what were your issues prior to this patch? I guess, James. Let me ask you what what were your thoughts and impressions prior to the Tuesday's patch? Uh, you were very very infrequently getting groups of like. 10 versus groups of 12 it was oftentimes like a couple groups of four versus one group of 12 and while uh while we did get some good old-fashioned like all-star matches where you had three lances that totally knew each other and maybe all tabbed quick and hopped in to ts together against a 12 man uh a lot of the times that didn't happen and you just had 12 guys rolling over a four man and eight other people and that was a really big problem that happened a lot like 12 mans were uh, like pretty easy so uh, that was sort of the problem that we were all having beforehand. What about you, Brennan? I mean, is that something you're familiar with? I mean, is that the same story? You guys group up and bigger size group, easier it got? Or? I, I think it's pretty much the same across the board. I mean, depending on what size of group you're running, because, I mean, Aces was running in there between two people all the way up to the full 10. So I, we found that, of course, as always, the less people that were in your group, the harder it was to win uh, a match consistently um, not necessarily a bad thing um, but we found that if we were in the 10 man we were pretty much rolling a lot of people because communication that sort of thing I think if the command wheel comes out that might subside a little bit because you'll be able to give uh, information quicker and that sort of stuff instead of just typing it out but yeah as of right now the bigger groups roll most of the time against the smaller groups all right, so one of the things uh, that was happening behind the scenes and something, you know, we'll get into is the fact of it, it's tough. So is this uh, is this an issue and even? Okay, so Tuesday's patch, basically what they did is they tightened the ELO and the actual group size restraints. So what that means is, uh, you know, if uh, 12 of us in this room are dropping, um, it's going to match us against another 12-man uh, and ELO and stuff like that. So that's what it's going to try to do. Some of the issues are happening, and, and uh, James is uh, some of the the comp teams out there that are really good as is. Now they have the ability to take a four plus man group, and what happens is, what if there's not another high elo group out there? Um, who does it find? And then it was pulling people in from you know maybe lower level skill level or even um, piecemeal. So that's a tough position to be in, right? Because you don't want your your good players to be sitting around twiddling their thumbs, but you also don't want to be throwing you know just cannon fodder at them um, because that's not fun. That's not fun for that group, and that's not for, for, it's definitely it's heck is not fun for the people that are just getting shoot through, right? I mean, so uh, obviously Tuesday the tightening came in, and I've heard pretty much an overall improvement. I haven't like I don't know. I haven't played it as many. It's you know hasn't been forty eight hours, but. I haven't heard the, oh my god, we just raffle stomped, uh, you know, 12-0, 12-0, 12-0, gone undefeated. But that's what was happening pretty much, uh, you know, as you moved up the, the food chain. So 
I got I have a question for you guys, and, and this is something that might be a little bit controversial just for the fact of we just got four-plus man groups. But we were under the impression the four-plus man groups were going to be only in the group queue, right? And two to fours would be group and solo. Now that the, the rules have sort of changed, and now we have two dedicated you know queues, a solo and a group, my question is, and go ahead and explain yourself if, if you think yes or no, is four-plus mans good or bad for the group queue in your opinion who wants to take uh, the bite first i'll go um i think that people are like we're, we're being pretty quick to like pass judgment on it right now uh, and i mean i was i was guilty of this like a, a week or two ago when it first came out and we were talking about it where we were all like man like things need to change blah 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 blah, blah. i think that we need to make some small tweaks first like the this tweak where they, they said they tightened the elo and i would even be in favor of upping uh match waiting time for groups of 12 to find closer matches because i mean before it was if you wanted to play 12s you were maybe taking an hour to play a game so as long as it's less than that it's going to be like it's going to be an improvement um so i i would wait a little while and i would take you know add longer times to the the bigger group queues just so that they can get closer matches and just try and tighten up the matchmaker so that people have closer and closer games because uh, i think that it really is helpful and i think that as much as the competitive community and the people that run up against the competitive community are having some troubles with it i think that there is a much larger group of people that is really enjoying the large groups what about you brian well i think it's viewed as a I, I think you can view it a, a little bit as a double-edged sword because i mean before the four plus group queue everyone was complaining about four mans rolling the solo queue so if you were to set it back to that everyone's going to go back to complaining about four mans rolling the solo queue um whereas with the four man plus groups or the two two to two to ten more or less i mean everyone's going to complain about rolling in the ten groups but at least the solo queue is actually a solo queue so you're not going to have the big group still rolling the solo player so i think it's a little bit on both sides you can't have pretty much one or the other um it, it's hard to say honestly because i mean honestly i don't mind the two to ten queue um does it require me to play a little bit better and not just goof off sure but if i want to goof off and that sort of thing i can hop into the solo queue and not have to be try hard all day so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle this from a few different angles. Uh, first off, we the the four plus man queue, the group queue, was introduced because there were people out there that wanted more than four plus mans, and they didn't want to just hop into just twelve mans, right? And twelve mans was pretty much dead. Let's just be honest. Yes, there was some people sometimes on it, but to to enter that against was just it was brutal. Not everyone has the time. Not everyone has the the people stuff like that. So. There was a contingent that wanted four plus man groups. So, bam, did that solve that? Yes, it, it got those people in, right? That maybe have a seven, six man group, which is awesome, which probably means there are some people that came back to the game. Whether that's such that's such a small thing, I'm, I guarantee there are some people that came back to the game just because of that. So, is that a good thing? Yes. Now, the question remains, though, is if we know four-man pre-mades were so influ influential just in a pug queue now giving them the ability to do more than four plus man organizational team speak that's where i guess i'm, I'm asking is they may be, and and james you were totally correct though that may be just a friend is this just a fringe incident where you've got uh, really good teams on comps now they're able to go four five six all the way up to 12 and there were there were a fright you know there were there were dangerous in four mans now they're dangerous and deadly and un almost unstoppable in 12 mans is that just a fringe thing and is that okay because they're good at the game and everyone else has the ability to do 12 mans i mean is that okay well they're affecting a, a third of the people <laughs> if you think about it like that because before you had three four mans of really good players playing all at once uh you know, rolling games. Maybe they ran up against some other four mans in pretty close fights. But now you have all three of those four mans in a twelve man, and those are—they're only going to fight. You know, they're not going to cause as much damage. So, if anything, it's creating an even more uh, outlier. It, the the case is becoming even more of an outlier. If 
it is actually affecting a small group of people. So, but I, but again, I, I don't know. I don't have those numbers. It's just how it feels to me. And I would be, I would be loath to take something that so many people seem to be enjoying away purely for the, like, purely for the enjoyment of a few other people. Like, I feel like the the vast majority of people are really enjoying this feature. The people that aren't enjoying it are the the twelve men's that want closer games and the people that they're rolling which are probably right on that elo cusp and don't have maybe 10 friends on ts to talk to and so while it sucks for that group of people i think that the majority of players are enjoying it well you know i guess you know just to be real i mean if you have 12 mans that are continuously going out there select free groups or even if it's an eight man and they can just royally stomp um i mean i guess if you want the masses that are enjoying it to continue enjoying it, but you know what do you do about? And I think that's where it comes down to, James, uh, about uh, you, you mentioned earlier what we're, we've talked to you know Carl about, and we've heard from Russ is tightening that elo and the matchmaker. So, for instance, if they are dropping in twelves, instead of throwing them a two, a six, a four, that if there's another you know twelve out there that they get matched up against, or if there's a ten man, they get matched up first. Um, and, you know, at least organizational-wise, uh, a little bit more of a contest than throwing a piecemeal small groups. But, uh, you know, my opinion is the four-man uh, good and bad. Um, that's a tough question because I think it's great for the people that want that option. And it's great for probably the player base to be able to, you know, I think it's awesome. Like, I see groups up in dropships here or other comms where they'll have a four-man going, boom, they get a, or a three, and they'll go four, five, six, seven. They'll drop, lose two, but they can continue playing, and it's one group. It's really fun, and they continually drop and get, you know, it's not bad wait times, too. I think, uh, you know, since the patch, probably two, three minutes, I haven't really had any issues over, like, four or five minutes, which I was getting uh, prior. Uh, I've seen prior to this patch. So is it bad? I think the the biggest thing that I think is bad is about uh, the, those outliers. You know, when you get into the you know six through twelve man groups that are organized on comms and are disciplined, they're taking out builds to to win, and they're getting matched up against uh, people that aren't necessarily equipped with that organizational level. And I think that's where the fringe is, and it's really difficult because if if you know. 90 per, you know 95 percent of the games or whatever are evenly matched and you only have these five percent outliers happening or me i don't i'm just making that shit up but um is that an issue you know so i guess that would be my only biggest concern is uh you know running into these groups and you you're not able to defeat them no matter what like <laughs> uh no matter what you do I, I guess that would be the frustrating part about it yeah all right so one thing uh i did want to mention uh at the end of this is what i would love to see is uh, and uh, multiple games have this world of tanks worth under all these if you're in a group and we've mentioned this time and time again is uh add a color bracket to the group to so you can see like when you hit tab you know who's actually in a group it co- color coordinates keeps them together and stuff like that um i would love like a, an icon or something like that beside the person's name like in war thunder or something like that so you can see who's grouped with who type of thing yeah group one do group it two group three do it That's at the pretty end of good the match. idea, actually. At, at, at the same time, can we get an extra color added to the HUD, like a purple, so you can always see who's in your group? Um... Do it. That's that's a good call. But do the group stuff after the match. Otherwise, you'll have people in the match being like, "Well, I'm with a group. Like this is dumb. Like this is like." So if you have ten people and it's like a, a solo person, they're just gonna be like, "Well, this is stupid. This is a, a ten man." Well, remember too, not you're not you're people. not by yourself. You're always in a two plus. Oh, I think but, I think but, it needs it from the start. All the other games do it, and this is this is why. If I friend. if I jump in. And I know I see Raffle and Defunct and Ed and. And then I see you guys are in a group. I'm gunning for you because I know, okay, well, he's the drop caller if I go after him. Or I know, okay, well, we have these five against us. We need to chew through the other guys as soon as possible so that we have the numbers game. I, I see you may have your outliers like that where maybe you're in a you're in a two-man group and all of a sudden you're matched up with a 10 to go up against a 12. But if that's the... I mean, I don't see that really as an issue. It's like, okay, well, hey, there are 10 guys on my team that are all grouped together. Eh, this may be a little bit better. I suppose I'd have to see how it works in this game because the matches are short. But um, I mean, they're same length as World of Tank. It's like 15. well, I, the the game I'm thinking of is Dota 2, where 
<laughs> no, that's a MOBA, man. Come on, really? It's the same. It's the same. Uh, no, it's like, tower you defense. Can, you can uh, uh, you can get angry with your teammates and knowing. Oh, that you can get very like angry. Cat, 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 cat I mean, just just look at the angry. I mean, it's like right now people. Oh, oh, okay. Point out some. By the way, about the solo queue. Before we announced that was pure solo queue, there was total placebo effect going on in the queue. The solo queue had been solo pretty much from when the patch went live. Now, you know, obviously they didn't, they didn't tell anybody. There was people getting mad at pre-mades and oh, blah, 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 and teams. There was no pre-mades in the solo. It was, I, I was laughing in my ass off, you know, inside about it because I saw it all the time and you're like, wow. Because, I mean, that's your perceived notion, right? You know, like, oh, well, yeah, they just, I lost or, you know, I know those names, so they must be in a pre-made. Nope, they're total solo queue. I thought it was glorious. But yeah, Nico, by the way, uh, color brackets they have them in every other game um, any any other free to play title pretty much has them um, you know we, we've talked about it a few times it would be a great feature to have It'd probably be relatively easy to uh, add um, and at least it lets you know how many groups there are because I mean it's group queue so you know they're all grouped but who's grouped with each other it's why not it's an interesting idea and on a side note, I also just wanted to mention that uh, the team just reported to me some good news. If you've been experiencing any DNS issues uh, with the game lately, uh, since the last patch, for example, uh, we've got a fix in place for that. Uh, all you'll have to do is uh, run the repair tool later this evening. Killer! All right, so one other thing before we get off here um, is obviously, you know, what uh, Russ mentioned uh, in the podcast, the uh, last week's podcast. Uh, Darren, I think, is still working on. Uh, he was swamped with the vlog, got that out Friday uh, for everyone, and uh, so hopefully that'll be out soon. But, uh, you know, is, you know, special events, uh, I think uh, Russ even mentioned on the, the podcast as well, is in the solo queue being able to flip a switch and it basically match clan versus IS. Um, you know, so that would be really interesting. I think that would be uh, a good way of testing things, seeing how things work. But, uh, you know, speaking of which, IS mechs, um, I think they're holding their own. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how much testing, maybe in a, they handle a little bit different in solo and groups and then comp play, but IS mechs seem to be doing just good, well enough. I would say their lights are definitely doing better than clans as well. But, uh, yeah, so... It'll be interesting starting to see some of the community warfare aspects, you know, coming online. We've got, uh, what is it, the uh, the Merc formation he was talking about isn't too uh, far yeah. off. So, also, just a side note, if there is a clan versus IS weekend, Nico, can you pass along? Can we get, like, a data dump, like one of those big infographic things again with all the info from that weekend again, maybe? Something to that effect, I suppose. Excellent. And I think, you know, one thing that would be really great was probably not want to be too hard to implement because you guys have already done it would be something like a uh, even if it wasn't clan versus I, uh, IS, but you, maybe you had to opt in it was to do another, you know, mech madness, uh, you know, medium mech madness or whatever weekend. And I think where this is really important is uh, the last one uh, we ran into, which was uh, over a month now. The, the issue with it is, is when you were dropping solo, you were going up against pre-mates, and it really was difficult. And like I said, the dropping solo pre-new matchmaker and solo queue was very frustrating. Now, with the matchmaker where it's solo queue only, that's a perfect way to opt in. Um, you're only dropping against individuals. I think, uh, one, you'd see a lot more people uh, participate. And I think if you guys did do something, uh, you know, it was like a, a, a clan or IS, or maybe there was uh, benefits of going either side or whatever i think it'd be really cool and of course we haven't had a weekend like that for well over a month and uh maybe i don't know maybe uh throw a stapler at someone clans versus is i love that idea purely because i want to see how that balance works with clan lights versus is lights but it's because i'm sadistic and i actually just want to know how that works out <laughs> <laughs> all right guys uh anyways some quick mentions again uh shirts are in stock and of course the new album armored combat uh just a heads up on shirts in stock i actually had a few t-shirts returned to me um i will be contacting uh the uh, well owners of those the purchasers and uh seeing how we can get that handled uh don't forget though the album is digital so if you uh purchase it um it sends you an email link if you don't get that email link check your spam or junk mail and then if that does not work please contact uh me directly sean lang at no guts no 
or if uh, you're on TeamSpeak or something, you can always hit me up as well. We get that taken care of for you uh, right away. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyways, thank you, guys. Uh, everyone's been enjoying the Armored Combat one. If you haven't checked out, make sure to do so. I've been rocking out to it. And, of course, a big thank you to our community, our listeners, and new and old, even people without beards. Yes, even you. Yeah, Stubbles. That's that's uh, Mama Bear's new nickname, Stubbles. I'm Not so Bearded committed. Butcher. I'm so committed to having a beard, I don't have hair on the top of my head. Dude, did you see a picture of Darren? Have you guys seen the picture of Darren without the, the no. beard? Oh, hold on, hold on. He doesn't look like he's 150 anymore. He looks like he's at least 100. I, I might not have actually seen a picture of him at all. No, I must have. There's a picture. I'm going to add this to our doc, too. I don't even recognize that man. Oh, my, wow. My god. He, to be, he had a really old person beard, to be fair. Like, the, the gray in it, like, really doesn't help. And it just, yeah. The pale skin, the gray. Yep. It's like there Gandalf's... Are, there are all kinds of things conspiring against It's him. Gandalf's brother. <laughs> so, anyways, his new nickname is Stubbles. I like it. It's so cute. And of course, our amazing staff, even you, Stubbles, and our sponsors. And of course, if you want to become a sponsor, head over to our website, to our forums. There's a donate button. You guys are able to do your own signature, avatar, and all that fun stuff. And you guys have a special giveaway. Again, Brandon, remind me. Giveaway. I keep forgetting. I'll remind you. Thank I'll you. I'll make sure to set up a email, automatic email to you every half hour. Appreciate that. Yeah, just a reminder. And of course, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you, James, for being on the part of the podcast. And if you have not checked out The War Room and you're interested or maybe you have no idea if you'd be interested, make sure to check out The War Room podcast. They do record live and they throw them up on YouTube. It's a very fast turnaround as well. That's another nice thing. <clears throat> Darren, fast turnaround. Um, you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah, man, we've got one uh, tomorrow night. And I got to say good luck on your uh, match tonight. Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Let's see, it's I think it's number thirty. I'm actually I'm toying with the idea of doing a, a marathon stream around it because thirty is a pretty big marker. So we'll see. I was gonna say you guys are uh, you know lasting some time. It's nice to see another podcast last that long. We're a we're a light mech man. Like we're a, we're a pretty respectable light mech. Oh, yeah, we've we've seen we've seen many a podcast come and go in our time. So anyways, it's it's awesome to see that part of the game and community being represented, and you guys do a good job about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, even, even the one where you totally got me hammered and, uh, <laughs> last minute. Still my favorite. Still my favorite. That was a blast. Hey, Phil, you want to be on the, the podcast? Okay. Do you got anything to drink? Uh, I have this bottle of whiskey. Okay. That'll be good. It, it bo- bottle was gone after that one. That was, I don't remember. I woke up the next day. Anyways, all right, guys, this was your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. Signing off for tonight, this is Phil. This is Brandon, also known as Patrick Kell. This is the Raffle Waffle. This is Nico Snow. Who? Nikolai Lubkevich. You know nothing, Nico Snow. Until next time, Mech Warriors. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube at No Guts, No Galaxy TV, on Twitch at NGNG TV, on Facebook at No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast, and on Twitter at No Guts, No Galaxy. It'd be best if you avoid me But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with it Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever